Hi, my name is Graham Vard, and I'm the founder of Billion Studio, creative agency based in Dublin and London. I've spent about 15 years in the design industry so far, working in London. I had a stint in New York and also in Dublin. And during that time, I've met a lot of really, really interesting people from the marketing and creative world. The idea for this podcast was to ask some of them to come on and speak to us about the past, the present and the future. So really kind of understanding what their career journey has been like to date, what they believe the state of the industry is at the moment, and then kind of predicting where they see the future of the industry going. I believe it's the perfect podcast for people that are just trying to set up their own business or maybe are trying to brand businesses or if you just have an interest in design and marketing. Since I'm new to the world of podcasts, we actually decided to kick this series off with myself. One of our creatives from Billion, Amy, sat down with me and chatted about the past, the present and the future of my design world. So I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Graham, and welcome to your own podcast. So we'll kick this episode off by letting you introduce yourself. My name is Graham. I founded Billion Studio about a year and a half ago from Dublin, born and uh, raised in the Dunleary, Dean's Grange area. I studied graphic design in Dunleary and since leaving school, I've had a bit of a boomerang design journey, as I call it. I started off my career working in Dublin, but shortly after that, I moved to London where I worked for, I think, about 11 years. A combination of working freelance within some really great design companies. After a number of years, I joined the good people at Future Brand in London. So I actually joined the London office. I was working largely within a consumer team. I remember actually when, when I joined, the, the company was was really just starting the uh, London 2012 design work for the London Olympics, which was an absolutely enormous, enormous project. I think there was approximately 40 to 50 people working on it, which I got to enjoy that experience as well. I think over the two-year period, I, I seem to remember there was about 15,000 briefs, individual briefs. So a, re- a really fantastic experience. And I really enjoyed my time at Future Brand. I went on to work in their, both the London office, but also I transferred to their New York office after a number of years working, again, bolstering really the consumer offer from that office and, again, had had a fantastic time working with some some pretty big US-based consumer brands such as Nestle, Georgia Pacific in Atlanta, um, but probably most interestingly, worked very closely with Lidl as they entered the US market. So pretty much the second biggest grocery retailer in the world, entering the world's number one grocery market. The project was split across New York, San Francisco, the key design teams in Sao Paulo and Milan. I was the creative director on that project, undertaking uh, quite a lot of brand design for, for the organization. After a few years of working in New York, I ultimately decided to return to Dublin and London to set up my own company, which is something I've really wanted to do for many, many years. I come from a business family, God love me. So got kind of got to see, I guess, the, the, you know, the reality of running a business and also, you know, I guess some of the, the satisfaction that that can also bring. Yeah, so that brings me back to London and Dublin. So I'm very happy to be based back in Dublin and yeah, enjoying the ride. What inspired you to get into design? Were there signs as a child that you're going to grow up and be a big and successful designer? It was actually airplanes that got me into design. I was really interested in airplanes when I was a kid. I was, I'm, I'm still a bit of an aviation nut. It was delivery. It was delivery of airplanes that I got branding. I got logo. I got color. I understood that if you strip all those things away from an aircraft, it's pretty much 
a functional piece of equipment. It's a piece of hardware. But when you kind of infuse color and symbolism and imagery and typography and name, it suddenly creates an experience. When you think of Ryanair, you think of one experience. When you think of Singapore Airlines, you think of another experience. But at the very heart, they're the same thing. But it's all those created elements that differentiate one from the other. And also, obviously, aircraft liveries are very colorful and very engaging. So for a child, you know, probably they represented kind of adventure and, you know, discovery and all the rest. So there's a little bit of magic in there. But yeah, it was, it was absolutely airplanes that, that turned me on to logos and, and identity and branding. So I, I spent... Um, years and years and years just drawing airplanes and trying to recreate their logos and try to recreate their color schemes and try to invent new versions of it so i can absolutely 100 pinpoint it to aviation wow okay so design has really been a part of your life since you've been a kid i have actually noticed recently that as technology and social media gets more and more popular that design seems to be more popular alongside of it it seems like more and more people consider it in their everyday lives how do you think the role of design has changed since you first began in the industry up until now how has the role of design changed? Well, I think it's. I think what's changed is how we design for businesses. It's unrecognisable from, I would say, ten even fifteen years ago. Actually, less. I would say certainly within the kind of ten-year period. I think you know, in the nineteen sort of nineties, if you like, companies that had brands and you know had marketing and branding kind of functions, you know, like so Coca-Cola, for example, they kind of had to brand a finite amount of things. You know, essentially, they had to you know brand a truck that transported the goods. They had to brand a, you know obviously an aluminium can with probably some limited editions occasionally and then they created two or three tv commercials a year and that was kind of the extent of their marketing kind of branding functions in, in many ways and i think that in 2019 where we are now i think companies like coca-cola and the likes have these absolutely enormous media functions and content companies where you know everything from messaging you know customer experience events and pop-up interiors obviously imagery now we're moving into kind of gesture uh, ai and bots and the, and the, the brand um, kind of persona of those. And then you've got social media content, you've got branded content. So they have this enormous spectrum of kind of channels that they need to kind of fill with their culture and with brand expression. So I think that if you look at the companies and how much their landscape has changed, then you need companies that are in the creative field that are able to service them relevantly. So to have a, have a much broader spectrum of skill sets in order to be able to solve the brand challenges that they have. What I like to call that kind of new version of a brand is, is a living brand. So my definition of that is a product or service which is actively present you know, in our lives. So it's not merely good enough to message me and tell me what to think about the cola and expect me to have an aspiration to live up to it. Well, I think it's the traditional rules. I think that brands have a, have a newfound permission to be meaningful participants in our lives. And I think that's a big difference from, you know, previously. If you were to use like another example of kind of a living brand, the likes of Nike would be a great example. Um, I think that in the, you know, in the 1990s, once again, if you're to use that kind of same similar timeline, Nike basically obviously had a very attractive product. But in terms of, you know, their brand world, it, it largely centered on a slogan, which was just do it. Once again, Nike were telling us 
giving us this message to believe in, to, a way to act, a way to live. And I think in the 1990s that changed enormously in that, you know, Nike developed Nike Town. The intention was to create a kind of a more experiential feeling around the brand. So you could walk around a building, you could see their innovation, you could see it had a layer of cool to it. It felt aspirational. So it, it was all about how the brand makes you feel as opposed to what the brand stands for. And I think that in the 2010s, you know, I think it's it's defining the real life value to people that there's driving all major brands so I think that the within the Nike context the evolution to Nike fuel band was it was a big moment it was the t- it was the moment that Nike said well we're no longer going to tell you what to think we're no longer going to tell you how you should feel but we're actually going to try to participate in your life we're going to be that coach that's going to help you become an athlete we're going to maintain manage your fitness uh, manage your goals and help you achieve something in a very active way and I think that uh, is a kind of a lesson for probably all brands to figure out ways of um, actively participating in people's lives. So the current trend is really about creating an experience for the customer and creating this brand that feels alive to them. If we look towards the future, what are kind of your future predictions for the industry? There is a big increase in technology and AI, and some people would often worry that the robots might be coming for your job. Do you think that there is a potential for the design industry to become more automated. I think it's not even in the future. I think right now there is there is websites that will actually use AI to develop like identities. So if you're a small yoga shop or you're a builder or you're a small law firm and you know your appetite for expenditures and you know it's in the kind of 500 dollar 500 euro range you can actually have your identity created by ai by robots or by algorithm more 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 accurately and i think so those products are not in the future those products exist already and have done for two three years and are becoming more and more mainstream at the moment uh, largely going to be embraced by the uh, a lot of the kind of automated web builders like squarespace wix they're going you're going to start to see them providing much more identity development in the coming kind of years i still feel like there's you know when you're trying to create real differentiation and real real difference you're trying to move the dial for businesses with their business objectives goals and strategies i still feel that there's a a level of design and a thoroughness and a meaningfulness in the design process that can never really be replaced by by computers i think it's too inherently human the challenges and and the complexity that those two um streams have always kind of been present i mean there always has been you know kind of high street design options to people to companies and then there's been the more specialist say agency approach so the good news is that design has never been more popular than it is today i think there was a time when everyone looked okay and then you had companies that looked great and those companies were you know your big telecoms companies you know i I remember vodafone like being like having such a slick look 15 years ago and most other companies looked okay but i think that now the expectation is that you look great and your visual presentation looks well designed and considered and it's almost at the point where if you don't look well considered and well designed you almost look like the odd one out there's such a huge appetite to look good and also your communications to be impactful and meaningful. The long and short is um, I I would embrace uh, that the world has an insatiable appetite for design and for things to look good and to work well. Uh, And that can only be a good thing. So say la vie, let's see where it goes. Cool. So it sounds like the future is a really exciting place for designers. 
absolutely. I think that uh, innovation, creativity and emotional intelligence are the most valuable uh, human resources on the planet at the moment. And I don't see that changing anytime. So yeah, it's a great time to be in design. So you just touched on the two different streams of design that's out there in the industry and how the more bespoke route is less at risk of automation. But do you also think there's a responsibility on designers to continuously learn the new technologies as they advance? Yeah, absolutely. I think that traditionally there was a, a very clear divide between sort of digital agencies and creative agencies. So I think that you had companies that built tools, built websites, built products, but often they were I guess very digitally focused and I think then you had on the other side you had creative agencies that were very creative orientated but maybe struggled a little bit with the technology so I do believe that the the future is very much a blend of art and technology companies that kind of position themselves right at that nexus I think is really really important Um, no different from when like traditional print designers you know had a very intimate knowledge of paper and varnish and stock and printing processes I think that it's important that modern designers that are creating nowadays have a very clear understanding of the channels and the, the media which which their designs are going into and their messaging is going and their visuals are going into. And, and actually, I think I'm incredibly enthused at the opportunities that automation might bring. Yeah, so we should be looking forward to the changes that technology brings, not greeting it with fear. Yeah, so I think that the other kind of really interesting influence on creative and and how we create and design in the future is obviously going to be data. And I think rather than figuring out how design and creative companies handle it, it's more interesting to look out into the world and look how brands are using data. And one of the really interesting examples I came across recently was made.com. So made.com make and sell sofas, furniture, armchairs, um, etc. Very contemporary, that kind of Ikea slash John Lewis kind of, you know, contemporary style, very nice. But it's interesting because Made.com have a feature on their website called Talent Lab. And Talent Lab basically provides users like you and I the uh, ability to go and search furniture from up and coming designers. It, it works a little bit like GoFundMe. If you like a piece of furniture, you can put a sort of 50% deposit down on the item. And if the piece of furniture reaches its quota of uh, people purchasing or putting a deposit down, they actually commission the piece to be made. And then all the people that have pre-purchased it pay the balance and then they all get a piece of that furniture. And I think this is really interesting. It's really nice. Obviously, it's very philanthropic of made.com to be kind of allowing these up, up and coming designers. But I think what it also does is it uses data to start predicting trends. So through um, the interest and uh, of, of users and what they're purchasing, it, it allows them to start to shape or experiment with new looks for the future or new shapes or new color tones because they're getting real-time data of what people like. For me, that's just one example that stands out at the moment of a brand that's using data in a really interesting way to sort of shape its future offer. And I think it's, it's really inspiring when you kind of see things like that in terms of brand building and the opportunity to start actually creating trends rather than following them. I think it's a sort of way that all companies should be starting to help shape what their brand looks and feels like and what it represents. I think it's 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 all about this kind of, you know, two-way conversation with the users. And I think data is going to provide us with a much richer understanding of what people want and expect from the brands that we build. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Past, Present, Future is produced by Billion Studio, a creative agency providing brand design, strategy, content design, and experience design in the heart of Dublin. 